So my name is Amber Watts and I um, am the director of a higher learning program with Austin Justice Coalition. And for those of you, you who don't know what Austin Justice Coalition is, this is a racial justice group that educates and builds community, um, community power with people of color who live in Austin, Texas. Um, that are in need of support, community, and liberation. Um, we always want to make sure that we're taking the time to center the voices of those who've been historically marginalized, and we will do so also in this conversation. Um, and and I want to give Sharon Patton um, space to to introduce himself as well and his organization. Hello, my name is uh, Sherwin Patton. Um, evening to everybody. Um, I, I work for an organization called Life of New Restorative Justice, where we um, work to use re uh, relational practices, um, restorative practices, in order to cultivate culture and, and, uh, and climate um, in, in various uh, um, uh, sectors. Um, so we, we work with educators, work with law enforcement, as well as with uh, community. And thank you. So it's great to be here this evening. So as we are, as we prepare for uh, this evening, um, one of the reasons that we're here is because uh, we are we're facing these challenging times together, and uh, um, Austin Justice Coalition has created this uh, platform for us um, to be able to listen um, to some of the people who are decision makers on on the front line so that we can come up with um, solutions um, to how we can support uh, one another in community. Uh, one of the, uh, the things that we really value um, as community-based organizations is the voices of uh, the young people who are in our community who are the up-and-coming leaders. And so uh, tonight as we begin our discussion, we are actually gonna start off um, with uh, one of our students, um, that is in an AISD school. Um, her name is uh, Kyle Wilson, and she's actually here with her mother, uh, Nina Wilson. Um, Kai is a, uh, is a student at Anderson High School and has been a, a leader not only in her school, but also in the, in the community. And so, uh, Kai, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. So, um, Miss Wilson, it's good to see you as well. Um, nice to be here. So one of the first questions that we had for uh, the evening as we get started is, as an AISD student, um, Kai, how, how has this pandemic impacted you and your family? And what are some of the coping mechanisms that you have developed um, in order to uh, help to move forward? Um, I think overall, you know, this was unexpected. Um, and I think the main way that it's impacted me as a student personally is that I've had to learn how to take a big chunk of time and put it into small segments so that I'm able to find um, like a pattern and a schedule that works for me so that I get my assignments done. So in that aspect, it has impacted me with um, having to come up with my own schedule on my own time. Um, coping mechanisms that I've had to take in were probably spending more time with my family. Um, they, like just putting everything down for a second and giving my family some face-to-face -face quality time has been very helpful for me. As a, as a follow-up question to that, um, 
as a as a parent, um, Ms. W Mrs. Wilson, how has this uh, affected you? Um, wow. So there's been positive effects and negative. Um, the positive is that we're forced to stay home, slow it down, push pause, and sort of self-reflect, find out what's important and, and focus in on that, find the silver linings, um, and move forward. Uh, the negative is that um, it's the uncertainty, I guess, that not knowing and everybody trying to figure it out all at the same time while it's like building an airplane in the air. That's what it feels like. Um, I think it's the, the uncertainty that, that's the part that's, that's difficult to navigate and wondering moving forward, what parts of this are we going to learn from and do better um, and hoping that we don't uh, make missteps moving forward. You know, that those are parts there. And Kai, have you heard from any of your of your classmates um, how this is impacting them, especially those who may not have the resources that are available to uh, some of us? Yes, I actually have a few friends that are working during this time um, um, and able to keep their you know family in a good place and in a house and in a home. Um, and the main struggle that they're having is um, having finding the time to separate work and school. And it's just been a challenge for them because they don't have a bunch of free time on their hands and they're trying to make sure that their family's making it through this hard time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your voice. We'll be coming back to you in a few minutes. All right, so um, I also wanna welcome our other panelists um, to this and uh, we do have Another question, and um, it's open to whomever feels like they could an answer this, and this is about access. Um, and it relates to the question that um, Mr. Patton just asked Kai. And just like, how is AISD ensuring that all of our students are feeling safe, feeling connected, and have access to food and technology and quality education during this time and going forward? Hello, this is John Bailey, <clears throat> principal of LBJ Early College High School. So we had to look at this in phases at our campus. Uh, the three big phases were focus one, SEL, social emotional, and safety. We had to look at are our students safe, are our staff members safe, and are their family members safe at home. So once we focused on the SEL, making sure the social emotional aspect is taken care of during this highly unexpected pandemic, uh, we were able to then focus on communication efforts. During our communication efforts, we were able to focus on really technology. Do our students and our families have access to technology? And then we develop a campus outreach team. And I expected that every single student in our campus and family be contacted. So we had to create monitoring systems to ensure we were able to assess the needs of our family members as we engage with them. After the first phase of safety and emotional, going into the second phase of communication, then we were able to focus on the third phase, which is distant continuous learning. So then we're able to transition into distant learning virtual online 100%. And so now that's an ongoing process, but it was very, very critical that we just didn't jump into this and really just focus on learning, that we first had to take a step back, realize what our families and our students and staff members are enduring during this time, connect with our families, and now we're able to transform how we evolve with education uh, virtually. Thank you. Um, 
Ken, did you want to also speak to that? Yeah, if I, if I could just, just a moment. I think that I really appreciate it. Bailey share with their approach. Uh, what we've discovered over the, the last month is that people tend to bring their A game. They bring their expertise to a crisis. And so AISD's expertise is focused primarily really on curriculum and instruction. So that's what we got a flood of right at the beginning was the idea of curriculum and instruction because the focus of the district is to strive, read, and thrive. What I think we're discovering, and it's just rather than uh, strive, read, and thrive, which are important and we want to address, we, we, we looked at it a little bit differently within the union, uh, which is Education Austin, and that is more about be safe, be supported, be connected. And we're really trying to focus on those three things as really as you address this like education 101 in terms of Maslow's hierarchy and how we make sure those those basic needs are met and that we accept the amount of academic expertise that can occur, but that those things can't happen without the basics being there and how we then return to them cyclically and continue to go back to those supports, making sure we continue to double down on our efforts. But we're really focusing on be safe, be supported, and be connected. And I think that will, will deal with the basic needs of, of safety, the need of support. Are you supported academically? Are you supported emotionally? And then looking at connections to things outside of the district that will help families and within the district get them connected. And if we take care of those three things, the academics can follow. Sorry, Dr. Holly, did you want to speak to that? Oh, yeah, it sounds like you're still muted. Here, I'll unmute you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, thanks. Now, I, I um, just to speak to John's piece as well, um, one of the things that uh, we did as a district from the beginning, uh, we went out on uh, that Friday before spring break, but one of the things that our team addressed from the beginning was the food insecurity that we have in our district. And, and so um, I really, what I saw, and I, and I have the privilege of getting to consult, coach, and support a lot of our senior leaders with IT, our Office of Innovation and uh, Development, Child Nutrition. Uh, we learned a lot from the community. The community has helped us uh, balance and center. But uh, from the very beginning, uh, many of our senior leaders were looking at those connection pieces. And uh, again, I had the privilege of, of supporting our um, academics team as they put things online to support over, this, over spring break. Um, so a lot of work has gone in. I don't, uh, people are not sleeping as we continue to work with our community. Um, the other piece is we're learning a lot from our grassroots organizations who are telling us about what we're missing and telling us about people that we're missing. And so we're developing some strong bridges with our uh, grassroots folks who really are uh, on the ground and, and are in apartment complexes. They're telling us about the needs, as Ken was saying, about those basic needs as well. So um, there's a lot of work going on and there's also a lot of learning 
and a lot of partnerships that are being forged through this process. Thank you. I forgot I can unmute myself. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, you know, first of all, uh, I, I continue to be amazed by the level of, the, of adaptability by the students to this COVID uh, crisis and their ability to, to manage the change that I think a lot of us are, are having difficulty and sometimes being overwhelmed by it. Uh, I think from a governance perspective, we've tried to create a safe culture within the district of ensuring that our teachers, our administrators, our staff feel that we're supporting them by making sure that we're paying their salaries to the end of the school year. I think that was so important to make sure from a governance level, because you know what, if we take care of our teachers and staff, they're going to take care of our students. They're going to take care uh, of our families. And I think that's what John and other principals have been doing in ensuring that our, uh, our needs are being met, our community needs are being met. And the only, the only thing I would say to that is that if you do not feel safe, if you do not feel, if you feel overwhelmed by these things, reach out to the schools because they're ready, willing, and able to answer questions, walk people through all of these processes and making sure that we're uh, I think as, as Sherwin, I, I couldn't agree with you more. This is not about serving our community. This is also about being in community with each other and meeting each other's needs and where we're at. And some days I feel overwhelmed. Some days I feel really grateful about the community support and when they're reaching out and, um, and hearing from students uh, about how they're adapting. And so it's really, I, I really appreciate the time here. By the way, Dr. Cruz is having a little bit of difficulty connecting um, and so he's come in and out. I think he's still trying to, to connect through, but I just wanted to make sure and, and note that for y'all. Thank you. Um, I'm also interested. I heard um, Mr. Bailey, you talked about at a high school level, what's happening with connecting with students. Um, and this is also from one of the questions um, in the Q&A. And if you do have questions, there is a Q&A section. You can access that and type your question in so that we can get your question asked. Um, um, I'm wondering two things, has, has the staff at any campus, at any level, so elementary, middle, and um, high school had trouble connecting with every student? And what are we doing about the families and the students that we cannot connect with right now? Um, I'll speak to that. Um, in terms of looking at it at the high school, middle school, and elementary level, one thing in Austin ISD under our during this time, the focus of collaboration and innovation and honestly allowing each other to learn from one another in terms of communicating with our families have been, has been probably the most uh, powerful tool. Um, the reality of it is, as we adjust as leaders uh, to the pandemic, we still had to step up. We still had to say, you know what, make sure our families are taken care of, making sure that we're taken care of. But now this is the time when leadership prevails. And so we've had an opportunity to look at vertical alignment at the elementary, middle school, and secondary level and high school to talk about what strategies are working in terms of communicating with the families. So each leader has their own individual monitoring systems, um, but it's really taking a collective effort to ensure that we are able to connect with each and every single family. And so we had to look at different mediums, phone calls, emails, um, surveys, needs assessment. And once we track that data, we're able to figure out, okay, who's not connecting? 
what families are we not getting a response from? Before this pandemic, we used to just put out phone calls and not so much focus on the response. So sometimes we'll say we reached out to a family to be determined if the family actually responded back or not. But now the expectation was that we had to make sure that we actually get a response, which means there has to be a dual dialogue of communication for us to ensure that we're in contact with our families. And so those are some efforts that's taking, a pl that's taking place at all levels. Thank you. Um, quick follow-up question on that is how how do we continue this after um, this pandemic is done? I heard you say about, you know, the call would go out and the focus wasn't really on whether or not we were actually connecting with families. How do we continue the effort to make sure we're actually connecting with our families um, now and later? Ken, I saw you. Hey, uh, thank you, Amber. You know, one of the things that this is a, this is an un, an overwhelming uh, demand because you have uh, you know you have secondary teachers that have 150 200 kids, and to be realistic about the time it takes to actually make a contact or some type to respond, could just be overwhelming. You could take a month or two to actually get through to everybody, and then you're past really the need. And so we're, we've been thinking about how do you narrow that down? How do you make sure you get a hold of every kid in the system? What we'd like to see happen is really more institutionalized approach or a more methodical approach that would follow the advisory or homeroom. Every teacher and many of the uh, administrators in the district have an advisory class in secondary and middle and high school. They have 20, you know, 15 to 25 kids that they're responsible for, that they follow up with, that they help them with their academics. It's a way to touch base with kids during the day and during the week. It seems to us that that same mechanism that's already there should be utilized district-wide. It makes it a, a methodology to it that says each teacher and each grown-up that has 20 to 30 kids in their advisory, they are responsible for making the contact with that student. Make sure they're safe. Make sure they're okay. Make sure things are as good as they can be. Two, the support and then the connections. If we do this through advisory, and we commit to doing it through advisory throughout the system, theoretically, we can get to every kid or at least a genuine attempt to every child and their family in a very realistic fashion. Addressing 150 to 200, just it's just overwhelming with everything that's done. So we have a mechanism in place. We know there are campuses that are utilizing it. We'd like to see this across the board everybody is responsible for that advisory and that group to make the contact find out what the kids need and then direct the kids that advisory teacher can then contact the teachers on the campus say hey i got this kid do you know about this kid this kid needs help this kid needs support and we can make those more direct handoffs rather than hoping we are we're, we're making a handoff really directly and there's a mechanism and an accountability to follow up on on a mechanism like that because it's concrete and it could be implemented throughout the district one thing i would like to add to what mr can stated uh, and to answer your question Ms. watts the ongoing uh, communication efforts um, as i share with uh, various staff members Looking at the silver lining of this pandemic, um, there's a spiritual aspect that I have in making sure that, you know, we're safe, supportive, and taking care of our families. Um, but then when we look at the silver lining of this pandemic, this is an opportunity to where we're able to see how innovative can we be. It's also an opportunity for us to do a systems check 
in terms of engagement, how strong and how effective has each campus outreach efforts been during this time? And so now it's a realization to allow us to really refine, modify, and then oftentimes create uh, sustainable systems as we continuously engage our community throughout the years to come. Honestly, I'm very excited about next year once we get through this pandemic because not only will we have our students and staff inside the building, but this is an opportunity for us to simultaneously have a strong virtual academic engagement with our families as well as in person. And so this opportunity allows us to develop really, really strong, effective outreach teams at our respective campuses and then also allow the students and the family members to get more involved in their education. Our teachers are having to be very in intentional of how they teach now. Uh, what's, what's separate about the learning process is now parents are more involved with the learning, students are very involved with the learning, but now in person you normally have a teacher that's guiding you through the lesson. That component is not there um, as it was prior to the pandemic. So now the students have to learn about how to structure their time, the teachers have to be explicit on their lessons and chunking those lessons and in a way for the students to understand and allow the families to support as well. So all it does is just help us strengthen our academics. One thing and then I'll stop talking about this is I read an article on CNN, what's lost in trying to rush into the virtual learning aspect is, this sounds good and we're super excited about it, but we have to take it in phases. We have to look at the inequalities and the equity in terms of who has access to technology, who doesn't have access to technology. We are still in the middle of this pandemic. So that social emotional aspect of making sure we're safe, mentally and psychologically sound, um, is definitely the priority, but also it gives us an opportunity to, to look forward to a very innovative uh, virtual instructional academic process for our families. Uh, Mr. Bailey, uh, thank you for sharing that because uh, now that you shared about um, the fact that we do have uh, some uh, inequities that um, that have been spotlighted, um, can you tell us um, because of this pandemic, how has it shined spotlight on the many inequities and in, uh, that already existed within our school system? And what are some of the solutions um, that you all are coming up with to address those inequities? So. Um, I put that out to the panelists, but I'm really curious to hear from um, Dr. Holly on that as well. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so um, one of the things that I think we're learning in, in as I, I talk to leaders and principals and families is uh, we are learning that it's gonna take all of us to rebuild the system and these inequities that we're seeing, we've always seen. Nobody's seeing anything new. I don't think anybody's seeing anything new. We always knew there was a digital divide. We uh, knew there was food insecurity. Uh, but what we are learning is that we've got to do more listening to our marginalized communities. We've got to do more listening to our teachers. Our teachers are incredible innovators. And even under these circumstances, uh, our teachers are really doing some phenomenal work with what they have. Um, so to rebuild the system is first of all, is to make sure that we're all healthy, whole, and together on the other side of this so that we can start to, to make sure that when, this, when we start to, re, uh, to look at our system, that we have parents at the table we have our immigrant um, families who are at the table, our students who are, 
our emerging bilinguals at the table. We need everybody in the system at the table to help rebuild it. It can't just be administrators and teachers or bureaucrats. Um, so I think the learning is going on now, but the learning, the strong learning, I think that's coming through for our system is that it's gonna take everybody. And our communities have been very flexible, very uh, patient and very supportive. I'm on a morning call with many grassroots organizers. Angelica, who is our, our, uh, our interpreter this evening is an organizer. We're learning from our organizers so that when we go back, we can't go back to the, the norm, what we consider the normal. Um, I've, uh, I've heard some folks call it the old abnormal. And so I think this is gonna make us more cohesive and we're gonna be paying closer attention to our teachers, our groundskeepers. Um, I do wanna say our folks that are in child nutrition and transportation, they see things. I get emails from them. They tell us about people who don't have food. Uh, so I think it's gonna make us co more cohesive and stronger. And then we're also gonna know that all the voices matter in the system. Uh, the custodian's voice matters in the system. Our essential workers, as we're calling them now. So I can't say what, what we have learned so far, but I know what we are learning along the way is that it's gonna take everybody and it's not gonna be about position, rank, or degrees, um, but it's going to be about understanding that we're all a part of something. We wanna be stronger on the other side. Dr. Holly, thank you for, for your work in the equity office. And uh, I'm interested in knowing um, how can uh, everyone in the community uh, really get involved with supporting um, the equity work that you're that you're doing right now? Well, the equity work that I'm doing is the equity work that the whole district is doing right now, right? Um, Dr. Cruz is engaged in equity, everybody. So it's not uh, me. Uh, it's not just my staff. There are two, there are three of us on my staff, but our, our entire uh, district is involved. Uh, our Office of uh, Innovation and Development right now is uh, has opportunities for people to donate funds. Um, our CAN board of directors right now is looking at opportunities for people who have talent and expertise to bring to this emergency situation. So they'll have a place to bring their expertise as well. And so I would say that anytime you're getting engaged with what we're doing in the district right now, you're involved in equity work. When you, you see people who are food insecure, um, our IT department right now um, needs everybody's eyes and ears. We're learning again from uh, people who are out in the community. So anybody who's out there who sees folks who are on the margins, uh, our students who don't know what resources are available, uh, you're, you're helping the entire district do equity work. You're making sure we centralize the voices of the marginalized. And right now, that's the, the deep work that our district's involved in. And I think it's everybody is involved, uh, not just the equity office. It's, uh, it takes a lot of folks uh, across the board. It's, it's taking hundreds and hundreds of our staff who are looking out on those margins. Uh, for the least, for the, least the, the folks that have the least, and uh, I heard today from our IT department our folks who don't have internet connection, we're starting to do robocalls. We've done paper packets. We're 
going to stop doing the paper packets with the, the school um, with the school lessons and so forth, and we'll be mailing those. So our, uh, our folks are innovative and equity and innovation go together. And uh, so I hope I answered your question. I just want you to know that the whole district is in, is in equity mode right now. No, you, you answered it and that, that's, uh, that's great to hear. That really is great to hear that we're all in it together. And also to add to uh, that follow-up, the, real, the reality is uh, at the campus level, we're used to seeing our kids. We're used to seeing our staff members visibly. And so now we're in a situation to where we can't really visibly see all of our students and our staff members at the level that we were used to. And so when we talk about equity, uh, that's various stages of what equity looks like and to be determined upon who you ask that question to. Uh, but one of the things that I wanted at our campus is I needed specifics. I needed to know, are we really reaching every single one of our families? And outside of the communication of our families, what is the need within a household to support the families and the students? And so each week on a daily basis, we have our teachers meet by grade level. Someone wrote in a chat about how to support counselors. The reality of it is, including myself as a principal, all of us had to put on our counselor's hat um, during this time to really focus on the emotional aspect of our students. And so when we meet um, as grade levels, we have a list of students broken down and we're going through each student uh, looking at various who's connecting, who's not connecting, why aren't they connecting, and what support do they need, and who's going to be the point, who's going to be the point contact that's going to reach out to that family. So everyone had to take on a mentor-type counseling had to support our kids um, connecting them during this time, and it's really taking a collective effort at all levels um, within the building uh, to reach our families because the equity, I mean, it's different at different levels, but I want the specifics. And so another thing we do is run reports. I want a report of what students have not accessed our digital learning platform. That could be for various reasons why they haven't accessed it. And so we have to really look at students by students, why aren't they connecting? And so when we ran that first report, it was, we had over about 60% of our students who engaged in the virtual platform that we had at LBJ, but that wasn't enough. Um, I needed to know what students, that other 40% who was not engaged. And so each day now, that number's going down and down, but it's truly a collective effort uh, data-driven because now we can't really see each other. We have to make sure that our systems and monitoring, our systems and communication are effective. And we're honestly making progress, uh, you know, each day. And our staff members are very invested. But I appreciate the support from the family as well. They've been, they've been very supportive. I called two kids today, then I turned it over. One student told me, Mr. Bailey, I'm just struggling focusing I'm so used to having a teacher in front of me guiding me through the lessons. I'm so used to knowing the bell schedule. Now I'm at home and I'm struggling with just, you know, having to manage that time. Another student was saying the same thing in terms of how they're having to adjust uh, to this dynamic that we have with distant learning. So those are opportunities for us to really put on our uh, counselor's hat and try to work with our parents as well. Because some parents also ask, give me some tips uh, about how I can help my child at home. And so uh, those are just conversations that I'm personally involved in, but also so are our staff members as well at our, various, at our various campuses within the entire district, not just at LBJ. Thank you, Mr. Bailey. Uh, Amber, uh, <laughs> if I could uh, comment, I, you know, uh, thank you. Uh, I, you know, it's very exciting to hear Principal Bailey talk about systems and how they're following up because what precedes the system was a care of the individual. And so, as we were talking earlier, 
what comes out of care then becomes more operational once you have those basics met. I think one of the things that in my, my experience, uh, I taught 12 years at Burnett Middle School in North Central Austin, enormous needs. My wife or my partner uh, uh, works at, uh, at Navarro uh, as a teacher. Uh, so I have, and I have two children, two boys, one sixth grader and one kindergartner in AISD. So I've had an opportunity and really, quite frankly, a privilege to be able to be home with my children um, and be paid. We have to remember that we're all very privileged in these positions of still getting an income where so many people aren't. Case in point, uh, one of our teachers had called home to find out what's going on. They were doing a personal Zoom. The teacher had Zoomed into the parent. Uh, the parent's only form of technology in the house was the phone that was in her hand. The parent had four children at home, and the parent's husband was just laid off the previous Sunday. Uh, my partner was on a conversation with one of her students, and as she was explaining her struggles, talking about, you know, we have two lessons per week from each one of our each one of our core areas and our, and our electives, I end up with about 14 lessons at the end of the week and she broke down in tears and didn't know what to do. You have families that don't have the privilege of their parents being at home to help guide them or to take a phone call when we call. Now, this is not every household. Uh, it's not every household at Burnett or at LBJ or at, or at any one of our East, East, East Side schools. There's a lot of really good work going on. Kids that are really wanting to achieve, that are frustrated because they're used to what? They're used to a relationship. Teaching is all about relationships. Without it, it's just a worksheet. Electronic or paper, it's just a worksheet. This is relational work that's very passionate and they're very much close to our heart. So we want to also be careful about, the, about the, the, the online technology, that it doesn't become our new avenue. We know that K-12 online learning does not impact, is, is, is not nearly as successful as what we do in front of a child because we know they have enormous needs and we can be, as, as, as Mr. Bailey referenced, a counselor, uh, 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 a pseudo parent, uh, a friend, uh, a teacher. It's all these things that while I appreciate seeing you all on this screen, I love that because you're not just a voice or a face. There's something deeper to that that really to build those relationships. And I know my 12 years of success was all based on relationships. And so we know that that's the advantage the public school system has as opposed to online that we don't want to lose and we build around equity for all of our kids. And so I just, so I'll leave it at that, but what I'm seeing inside of this and it's just, it's kind of, it's, it's very emotional. It's overwhelming at times to see the impacts of the household and that we have to keep that up front. You know, Amber, if I could just add here that I mean, real quickly, I think, you know, from my perspective, equity is values. It's about the actions that we take. And I can't, I can't um, be remiss if I didn't go back to the actions of closing the schools down for safety was such an equity decision. When you look at the 977 confirmed COVID cases in our community, where 76% are white, 10% are black, about 30 something percent are, are are Hispanic and the 17 deaths in this county, which are 86% white, 6.7% black, 33% um, Hispanic, 67% uh, non-Hispanic. 
those numbers really track with our community, um, which, by the way, if you take a perspective and look nationally, you look at the disproportionate impact of deaths for the African-American community, you see in a lot of those communities that schools were not closed. And so I think while we all um, take time to reflect on the fact that we're in this situation, I'm also grateful that Ken and everyone's talking about and John are talking about what we're doing for students from an educational progression perspective uh, about the end of the school year, because I think that's so important, but I'm also very grateful that we're having this kind of a conversation in our community is awesome. It is, it is equity in action, it's a value that we have. Um, and I'd rather have this conversation than the one that's happening, not just across the country and disproportionate, but with my colleagues, I've been in conference calls with about nine of the presidents of all the school districts. They're still thinking about how to get computers to 12th graders, not to the entire spectrum of the school district. They, they were taking uh, ideas about Wi-Fi hotspots on buses from AISD. We had one school district who closed down and didn't provide food for their, uh, for their families. So I feel really grateful that we're in a community that is all about relationships and partnerships. So um, I didn't, I didn't want to, I'd be remiss if I didn't point that out in this whole conversation, which uh, to Ken's point, I think we are in a, uh, in a privileged position. I also think this is an opportunity to give back and serve our community in the best of ways and be in community with them. Thank you, Mr. Rodriguez. Um, I wanted to speak really quickly to some of the questions that have come up, as seen coming up in the Q&A um, from our participants. Um, one of them is that there's been a rise in child abuse in the past weeks. School was a sanctuary for some kids who are experiencing neglect and abuse, and, and the place to get help from outside adults. Is AISD able to offer any support to those students? And anyone can take this question. Okay. I don't know if you can hear me right now. Somebody can wait. Okay, perfect. All right. Sorry. I was uh, on, uh, had other issues coming up and then um, it's having a little bit of uh, connectivity issues here. So I apologize for that. Um, I'm, I'm Paul Cruz. I'm superintendent of the Austin School District. And with the question, and I was uh, listening uh, to uh, Candon talking about the relationships and how important that is. And I think now more than ever, we're going to see how important schools are and teachers are and how those uh, uh, relationships that have been fostered and nurtured over time have been essential. We've always known that as teachers, um, but it's good to see that there is uh, that is front and center and understanding in this time where we are not being able to connect as individuals uh, face to face. There's other ways to connect and to reach out. So through the Austin School District, we've actually had um, had opened up several uh, mental health centers, mental health supports. Our parent support specialists are still available to our parents and to our families to provide the types of services that may be necessary, whether the ones that you mentioned, or maybe other issues around uh, healthcare or some other type of financial type issues. But um, we still have our mental health centers are still in play. They're still working and they are available e either via phone or through um, uh, through uh, whether it be a Zoom call or some other type of, of uh, using other types of, of technology. But the phone call is available just to have those connections. And it's something that we are um, going to make sure to be uh, looking at. And our teachers are checking in with our kids. And our kids are checking in with our teachers. So that's, uh, it's going to be a multiple uh, approaches to it. I think the main thing is always to uh, recognize that 
we're all in this together. And this is a really challenging time. And while yes, we could have gone full on just academics and go business as usual, it is not business as usual. Uh, nothing that I've been doing in this time has been what I had planned. And I think Mr. Bailey, as I see him there from LBJ, um, he had a whole bunch of things planned to be going on and he shifted in real time and so did his staff. And that's really what is so essential. And in talking to our principals and our teachers, how quickly they have adapted. We've, we've been learning along the way. It's not perfect. We didn't think it was gonna be perfect, but with the heart, with understanding that it is about those relationships and checking in with our kids first. So we love to teach certain skills and, and academics and that is important, but we first have to check in with our kids. We have to check in with our kids and with one another. Thank you, Dr. Cruz. Um, I also saw um, in relation to that and what you said about um, checking in with the students and Mr. Bailey talked about, Principal Bailey talked about his system that his school has in contacting his students. Now he's seen his number of students who um, he haven't, hasn't been able to contact go down. Is that a system that is happening throughout all of the schools? Yes, we are seeing that um, because when a student moves, um, they may not have changed the school. So it happens quite a bit in our school system with a lot of our families, but they always stayed in school. So there was every day still a connection. So whether we had the contact information or not, we had contact with the student and then his or her family members. In this situation, that is something that we're seeing. So we put out a notice again for families to update information to let the principal know, the school staff know of a change of address, a change of a phone number, an email, uh, and that's gonna be ongoing. But yes, it's certainly happening um, in, our, in high schools, but we're seeing that in elementaries and middle schools as well. Thank you. Um, okay, I, I also want, would love to ask Kai this question. Um, I would love to know, how are you being supported emotionally from your school? Um, I would say that the teachers have uh, been really thorough with getting our work out there promptly and getting like solutions out there promptly so that we're able to, um, you know, get assignments and like in a time where we have enough, like in a place, in a time that we have enough time to get it turned in. Um, as for checking in, they did host sessions for us and office hours for us for to talk, um, whether it was about just what we were going through or an assignment that we were confused about, and that was, that's been helpful. Thank you. Sharon, did you? Okay. So uh, I did have a follow-up question to for. Um, Kai and her mother as well. Um, so Kai, what are some of the ways that, that you have been um, supporting uh, other students? Um, because I know you all have been having um, uh, groups that you've told me about that they get together as well. So what are, what are some ways that you're supporting other students? And then also, um, Mrs. Wilson, as a as a as a mother, um, what are some supports that you are receiving, and what are some supports that you need um, during this time? 
Um, so uh, as Mr. Patton um, said, I've been working with uh, restorative circle, restorative justice circles, um, with usually student-led. And there we talk about uh, either struggles, both, I mean, positive and negative things about, you know, online schooling and things that are going on with COVID-19 and how we're adjusting to it. Um, and having a community to talk to openly, people who are like-minded, people have different perspectives, it's been really helpful. And as a parent, I'll say that I'm appreciative of the fact that our district is, um, is trying different things and that we're not trying to do business as usual. I'm appreciative of the fact that grades aren't counting right now and that students are able to just get enrichment and not be stressed about trying to maintain a certain grade point average and get assignments done in the middle of a pandemic. Like this isn't business as, as usual, as we've said, and some kids are coping differently, adults are coping differently. Um, we're all trying to figure it out as we go. And so some people become hyper non-productive and both of those reactions to our situation, we handle stressors differently. So I'm appreciative of the fact that my child is not stressed out about assignments and when we had um, the assignments that did come in that she was able to talk to her support system with the school. I'm appreciative of the, the, the fact that teachers have office hours and that we have the technology that we have of Zoom to be able to connect with people. Um, I think what we need, what I need as a parent is um, for people to realize that this is not normal. This isn't business as usual and not to expect that you're going to get the same level of productivity, quality, and engagement that you got before. And so to expect 10 hours of work, even though it seems like, oh, but you have a whole week, is not necessarily um, a, a reasonable expectation. That the first thing my kid and me and everybody else in our house needs is just to feel safe and just to feel okay and just to be a family um, and just to be. That in and of itself is really what I need. I need to just be able to be, to just be able to pause, to not have to continue as if everything is okay, because it isn't. And we don't know what the future holds and we need to be able to process that and not be inundated with outside forces along with being able to just process as a family. Uh, if, if I may, Amber, um... I, I, I've got to, it's what Kai and, and Nina just shared for me. Because there's nothing more important than the teacher and the student in this system. They are the two most important people in this system. Um, I know, I know Nina for, I, I, I taught with Nina at Burnett Middle School for years. The finest teacher I've ever known. I knew Kai before she was even born. And I got to say that as an example of what can be and the possibilities, that it's so important that we lift up student voice, the family voice, that we hear them, that we truly hear them, and that we see them. Uh, because I am encouraged by students and young people like Kai Wilson. Because that's why we got to get this figured out right. Because it's their turn next. They're the ones that will lead. We have got to do this right. And that means we've got to care for each other 
in a way that means something. It isn't just about putting a lesson in front of someone, but it's truly a depth of care that reaches so beyond that and so much deeper than that. That's what Nina Wilson did in her classroom. That's what she does as a parent. And that's what Kai will exhibit and is exhibiting today on this, on this, on this town hall meeting. But we have to make sure that we are preparing this world for the Kais that are coming after us. That, that, that's what it's all about. That's what this that's what it's all about is Kai Wilson and every student in this district that we've got to meet. So um, I'm just inspired by it. Thank you both. Thank you, Kai Wilson and Ken. Mr. Patton, are you still there? Okay. Um, so our top. Oh. I was going to say, while we're waiting on Sharon to come back on, can I also add to the um, the uh, Miss Wilson's fan club? Uh, so Ken, I think uh, I want to say that I started the fan club because <laughs> she is truly, truly amazing. I was in her classroom and just happened to be walking around and um, oh yeah, wow, impressed. Can y'all hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Oh, you're muted now. Okay, so I'm going to, while Mr. Patton um, rejoins us, I'm gonna read off our, our top question in the Q&A. Uh, um, and it says, uh, will the staff and faculty members at each campus be given compensation, compensational pay, a compensational pay increase or a bonus to commend them for their ability and flexibility uh, to learn right. new ways so, to deliver. Um, right, now I'm off of mute. Yeah, to uh, right. there was a, a question from um, Okay, so to deliver um, their new, the new ways that they're having to deliver classroom instruction. Do I need to say that again? I don't know if y'all were able to catch that. Say it, thumbs up, say it again. <laughs> okay, all right, I'll say it again. Um, will the staff and faculty members at each campus be given a compensational pay increase or bonus to commend them for their ability and flexibility to learn new ways to deliver classroom instruction? And how are their emotional needs being met during this time? You know, right now at this point, uh, premium pay and time and a half is provided for uh, our food services workers who actually worked even through even spring break, uh, literally providing meals and for transportation uh, folks. So that's been our target when we look at the immediate needs that we had that we uh, that were just so essential and necessary. We actually stood that up uh, throughout spring break and then to actually come back right after spring break. But that's where the premium pay has been. It's been focused on food services workers um, and transportation and bus drivers. Uh, that's where it's been the focus at this point. Thank you. I would, I would add as the union representative of pay that we are very thankful that the district listened when we spoke up and said that those workers coming in 
out of quarantine, out of their homes, going out to do this hero's work should earn hero's pay. And that the district heard that during spring break. Uh, they added time and a half on top of their spring break pay. Um, that wasn't necessarily the plan early on, but the, it's, it's one of those things that is understood as you evolve and go through an emergency. And they were very responsive. And it's just, it's good to work with a district that will respond because uh, that's not the case in every district in this, in, in this state. Uh, and to continue that, that pay going forward uh, with classified employees that go out of their home to do their work, to be paid time and a half, not in addition, but time and a half for that time out. That's a very important thing for the classifications of employment in this district that are the lowest, play, lowest paid, but are the highest numbers of black and brown employees. So if we wanna talk about equity, we have to talk about how we pay people and respect people from an employee, from employment standpoint, and that we make sure that they, if they're gonna go in harm's way, we understand essential workers, but that they are compensated and recognized for being in harm's way. The district responded to that, they were supportive and we're thankful for that, but they're still the lowest paid employees facing the highest risk. It's why we have to continue to look at ways of being creative and innovative of how to, how to respond and respect that. I think simultaneously teachers, as Mr. Bailey had, respond, had mentioned, teachers are doing the development of the very online work that the district will benefit years coming. They are developing the platform and finding the shortcomings of it and how it's gonna be successful. That's a huge, huge undertaking for the district to actually get that up to speed. And we believe that there, you know, we, we certainly we'll talk about it going forward, but we believe that that should be recognized as well because it's the teachers that are doing the heavy work. The plans are developed by administration, but teachers are the ones that are gonna to have to lift it and do it with the assistance of principals, Mr. Bailey, and, and see that that's successful and that actually happens. So uh, appreciate the question. We have to make sure that we recognize those who are carrying the, carrying the water during this crisis. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then also was to, to be able to stand up the system pretty much overnight. Uh, there was no time to say, well, let's wait for three months. Let's get this going. Now blend and those activities, we've been doing that for a couple of, the, a couple of years just to support the technology systems and learning can occur when, when a student wants it and needs it. Uh, and so that is, I mean, I just commend our, our teachers. They are incredible. And you see some of the activities that they're doing that they actually post on social media. Uh, even, and something I just love about Austin, it started off with the social emotional learning piece. That was really what had to happen. And I also appreciate what Ms. Wilson was saying is that, and we were tell teachers, whatever you plan for that week, cut it in half. And whatever you plan for that, cut that in half because we have to check in first. It's, it's the, the human thing to do, right? Is check in with each other. I do just to, because this is, I, when, you, when I look at this, it's just staggering what our food services and transportation uh, amazing team members have done since March 13th, which is a day that we were closed as a district, uh, but we were open for essential services. Since then we've delivered and they've delivered and prepared over 300,000 meals. And the average right now is about 12 to 14,000 meals. And that's incredible and I'm proud and that, that's amazing. It really, really is. For us as a school system, we actually serve 75,000 a day. That's just, you know, 
Wednesday for Austin School District. But to have, to be able to stand these systems up in almost what seemed to be in real time to provide these supports that are essential, just food, uh, nutrition. Uh, I'm just uh, so thankful to our food services staff and our bus drivers who just organizing was, you know, just delivering the support. Just wanted to put that number out there because it's still, it makes me take a few steps back. And Dr. Cruz, would you mind sharing another number that I know the board has, has um, asked about is how much is the monthly payroll that this school district is putting and supporting the current teacher, staff, everyone uh, while we're in the COVID? Yeah, for, uh, thank you, President Lovigas. So it's about $55 million uh, is what we said we were gonna do. And so that had continued as we were preparing and then also now within instructing and yeah. continued the payroll, $55 million. Yeah. Um, and so it's just uh, impressive, you know, in this time since we were here on a Thursday and not then on a Friday. So we had to put out, you know, provide more technology and more Chromebooks to our students. Um, we'd already done a one-to-one -one at our high school students. So it's over 20,000 Chromebooks. But since, um, uh, since that time on the 13th, uh, we've delivered over around 8,000 devices to students. And we prioritized students who are students of poverty, economic disadvantage, and special education students. Now, we do know that some of our uh, students with special needs may have already had some assistive technology, but they needed more in these situations. And so that's how we uh, prioritized and just trying to meet uh, what we know we need to do because there's so much more to do still. Also, I'd like to add um, to Dr. Cruz and the support, um, as Ken was sharing with us, of supporting those essential workers. Uh, there is a group of individuals that I want to recognize, and those are our custodians. As uh, soon as we went into the pandemic aspect and the restrictions were changing and changing over time as we progressed, uh, which means more people could not leave their homes, during that time, we had to figure out how can we allow staff members to go inside the building safely practicing social distancing, keeping the number under five or less to get some of the items that they need to facilitate uh, distant learning and connecting with our students. Um, but the individuals that I want to highlight are our custodians. Um, when I went to the campus, when I went up to the campus myself, I saw a lead custodian. And um, I, honestly, I was nervous about going inside the building. Yeah, I, I really was. I was nervous about going inside the building. Uh, but my custodian put me at ease. Miss Bailey, don't wear it. Here's your gloves. Here's your mask. Um, we have a sign in. Go take care and do what you need. And he provided that same hospitality and the same social emotional support to every staff member that entered into that building to get their essential items. And so, um, like we talked about, some of those individuals do so much more the critical work and they get the least amount of recognition. So our custodians were more than just cleaning and taking care of the facility. They provided that social emotional aspect support that's needed across the board. So I just had to give a shout out and accolades to those individuals because I know it's not happening just at LBJ. It's happening across our entire district. Thank you. Um, our next top question is, um, well, there was a question if um, Dr. Cruz could address Mr. Breckenwood's question in the chat, um, but I'm not sure what that question is. And so, um, Mr. Breckenwood, if you can put that question into the Q&A, then I can ask that question for you. Um, and the next question is, um, I am very concerned that children who receive special 
education services are not receiving the support they need? How is the district prioritizing supporting this particular group of students, as well as the special education teachers that serve them? Amber, before somebody answers that, um, if you look at the Q&A and look at the answered ones, yes, that's where I think that's where Jared's answer, for some reason, his question went into the answered part, even though it's not answered. I think this one is about the school closures, but I don't know what it is to ask the question. So I think it's the ah. second question that has not that I don't see to be able to, be able to ask. Got it, got it. Okay. For special, um, the, um, your, the question on special education and supporting the special education students. Uh, so I mentioned one is trying to get prioritizing special needs students with the technology that they needed. Uh, the other is, and actually led by our executive director of special education, uh, Aquita Hickman, Dr. Hickman, then with she and her team, uh, then developed guidance and actually developed the resources for teachers. And now she's developing, uh, she and her team are developing those supports and resources for parents so that, uh, that there's some infrastructure there from the district level. In special education, uh, it is about fulfilling the uh, expectations and the IEP and the individualized education plan. So here's again, it's uh, here comes our teachers, our teachers then then uh, connecting with our students and parents to see how we can meet the needs of our students in a very different environment. Um, we're not going to do and as as a, as a teacher, I know that uh, I would not be able to do what I could do in my classroom to do in this setting. Uh, I can do my I can do my best, and there's some things I would want to do. I just I'm not going to be able to do that, and it's about being real with that and seeing what are those essential supports and services our students need. How can we do? How, and then how can we do, uh, deliver those, um, you know, instruction in a way that is supportive of students and their individual needs. So again, I think I do think in this situation, while there could be some and there are some district systems put in place. It still is with that teacher and the student in the classroom or in this virtual classroom setting. Uh, that's where those needs are going to be met because they're just the, uh, uh, that is the way I see special education working. Uh, it is very individualized to those students' uh, specific needs. And then the teacher is monitoring progress uh, and working with the parents as well. Mm -hmm. Special ed, uh, Amber, if I could mention, because we've had a lot of stuff on special ed, and I really appreciate the superintendent saying, you know, we, we're, it's about being real, and it's about realistic expectations, and I think that that's, it is so spot on, and that's not a special ed issue, that is a systems-wide issue about being realistic. Now, that looks differently in every category, and our most vulnerable students uh, in many cases, are our special ed students. So how do we address that? And so I think acknowledging the fact that education will not be delivered over this 12 weeks that the schools are shut down, that it will not be delivered in a typical way. It won't be received. Some won't even get it. And so how are we realistic about that? What are the realistic expectations of grades, of promotion, of graduation, going to the next grade? What are the expectations? Because I think TEA ran out of the gate and just wanted to have school at home. And that's a whole nother reform issue with TEA. But you can't have school at the home and have success. And that has to be understood as real, not a shortcoming of ours. It's just reality. And so we embrace uncomfortable and difficult realities. 
accept them for what they are, and then plan how do you work through that or past that. And so to think that we go into next year, not that anybody here is thinking this, but going into next year, the kids will be ready for the instruction that is already scheduled for August 15th or whenever we go back. And the, the scope and sequence is the scope and sequence that we will be in is not a reality. And you can't front load all the learning that needed to happen. That's not fair. And so, you know, we want to look at how we need to start planning for August. This year, we're shut down. We continue instruction. We continue to provide support. But structurally, we've got to look to August of what that looks like. And we want to plan with the district what that, what that looks like. But how do you take all of the curriculum for 12 weeks, two six-week periods, and you don't do that in the first three weeks of school, which would be tempting, I think, in a lot of systems. But how do you take that information, understand what's a necessity up front, but how you could spread most of that over the course of the whole year? And I've likened it to my first, my, 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 my oldest boy. He was two months premature, you know, and he was behind. He was in a NICU for 30 days. It scared the living daylight out of my partner and I. He didn't catch up in a month. He didn't catch up in a year. It took him years to emotionally and to physically catch up. Now, it won't take us years to do this, but we have to view this challenge, I think, in a similar way. With this, I couldn't get mad that my son was not as big as the rest of the kids. It's not his fault. It just was. Same thing with the kids. We can't get mad because they didn't get the instruction they needed. We need to be there to support them through learning a little bit more. So let's spread it thinly over the entire year. Let's look at how we take those lessons from the last 12 weeks and incorporate them throughout the year so that by the end of the year, we might just be close to caught up, but we will not do that up front. And I think that's very important in terms of our equity, in terms of our academic, you know, being responsible academically and curricularly. And so that we do, you know, that, that we acknowledge that as well. And we move forward, and I thank you, Dr. Cruz, in a very realistic, honest way and not be ashamed of what we can't do, but be proud of what we are doing and what we're going to do. Thank you. Um, so with the last um, portion of this, I'd love to open this up a little bit to the panelists to hear anything that, that they may want to say or need to say to us about um, AISD and um, our current pandemic. And so if it's okay, I'd love to start with um, Kai and Mrs. Wilson and then move to Dr. Holly. Um, after that, Mr. Bailey, um, Mr. Rajikas, Ken, and then Dr. Cruz. And I can, I can type that in the chat or I can put that somewhere where, um, um, and I'll say it again, I don't mind saying that again, okay? All right. Kai, is there anything that you want us to know and Mrs. Wilson about um, AISD and the the pandemic right now and, and you? Um, I would just like to take the time to um, just voice my appreciation for the teachers. We know that this is a hard time and they're kind of chucking through for us and we, we acknowledge that as students. And I personally acknowledge that as a student and I see the work that they're putting in and it's greatly appreciated. And as a parent and an educator myself, I'll say that all the work that the teachers are doing is heroic um, because we forget that they're human they're not robots, they're not isolated from this, they're in the middle of it with their own kids, their own families and their own issues and their own struggles. And they're still finding the time, the attention and the way to reach out and make sure that other people's children are doing just as well as theirs. So 
hat tip to all the teachers. I, I just tremendously have the most, the utmost respect for everything that our educators are doing to make sure that we're all okay in this. So thank you. And I also appreciate the support that AISD is providing to allow teachers the freedom to be able to do the stuff that they need to do, the resources and the tools. Thank you. Um, Dr. Holly, is there anything you'd like for us to know? Can you hear me? Yes, all right. Uh, first of all, thank you all for having this forum. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I shared earlier that I thought this was just gonna be a session with Sherwin and, and, and Chaz and we were gonna kick it. And then I saw a flyer. <laughs> and so I thought, wow, this is bigger than the flyer. Then I'm grateful that you all chose um, to invite us uh, to have President Rodriguez on and Dr. Cruz on, uh, Mr. Bailey, and most importantly, uh, you know, to have uh, a student and a parent on, I think is, is, is really phenomenal. So I thank you all for choosing to have this conversation for the community. And I wanna let you all also know, we're going to have a conversation with students. The equity office is sponsoring a, a conversation with students next week so that we can learn how they are experiencing this. We, we wanna learn from our students who were in ISS before this started. We want to learn from students that truly are on, on the margins of the system, even when it's in quote unquote normal. And so we're excited um, that you all are providing these opportunities for real conversations. Hope this won't be our last opportunity to really talk because there are so few people that are centralizing the voices of the marginalized, which you all pride yourselves on. And um, I thank you um, again for allowing uh, our leadership to come forward and talk about the things that we're doing and the challenges that we're having and doing them in such a beautiful way. So this, you all exemplify what a real partnership with uh, our grassroots organization looks like. So thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you. Um, Principal Bailey. Um, so I want to give a, a special uh, recognition to just um, Austin Justice Coalition for having us and creating this platform, looking at um, all the individuals uh, who are attending and looking at the engagement on uh, the chat and the questions. I appreciate that. Um, at the district level, um, I appreciate the leadership that Dr. Cruz and his team um, are doing currently. One thing I share with students sometimes is it's important to know the past because you can study and learn from your past. But I really like to put a lot of focus on the present and then what are we doing in the future? Um, so we keep that focus there. So with the district level, they are definitely becoming forward thinkers, um, like what Mr. Ken was uh, highlighting, the forward thinking. Once we get through this pandemic to be determined when that ends, what is instruction and education and experience look like for all stakeholders at all levels? Um, being a part of conversations with all the principals in the district and uh, Austin ISD central office, that's where the conversations are. We're talking about what are we doing with our students and families right now, but then in the future and forward thinking, how are we going to continuously to provide support at various levels? Um, looking at the campus staff members, I want to give a huge accolade to our teachers. Our teachers are having to think differently now. They're having to think about continuous instruction. How do I design my lessons? Uh, it's not that you have 45 minute and 90 minute blocks of instruction for students. 
um, it's more chunk now, so they're being explicit on how can I design an ele a lesson that will keep a student engaged during this crisis that we're experiencing, easy to understand from the student perspective with minimum guidance from the teacher, and also can the parent be able to help support as well and not put too much stress on the parent because they probably just trying to take care of their household and keep everybody in good spirits. And so that's, and then our teachers are having to do that same thing with their families. So I definitely give a, you know, accolades to all of our teachers and how they process an instruction and delivering instruction because this is a, it's, it's changed now. We would not go back to doing instruction like we did before this pandemic. Um, now, so I want to give a shout out to our students. When I talk to the students and when the staff members talk to the students, I ask questions like this. When you spoke to the kid, what words did the kid use? Don't paraphrase, don't interpret, like I want to know specifically what did the kid say in their language, in their words, so we can understand mentally what they're dealing with. So it's good to see Callie here because we're hearing it not through third party, we're hearing it directly from the student. How is this impacting their current livelihood as a student? I got some students who want to give up, some students who are still struggling with the stress of not being able to go see their peers and their friends at school. And so like someone said in this conversation, some, for some of our students, no matter where you are, school is like a safe place, like a safe haven for a lot of kids. And so uh, definitely, you know, keeping our students in mind. And then again, to our parents, thank you all for working with the district. No one has all the answers to this, um, but we definitely collectively coming together, we get through this, prevail, and continue to transform um, support, safety, communication, and then our instruction for our students. Thank you. President Rodriguez. My apologies, I was still on, on mute. Um, if you saw me kind of leaning into the computer, I was trying to answer some of the questions on the chat and just providing some, some resources there. You know, it's, it's really symbolic. Uh, the Wilson family in my gallery that I'm seeing, the Wilson family is right in the middle where they should be. And all of us are around community partners the school district, Educate Austin, all of us. And I think that's really important. And I, I really appreciate y'all's voices today. You know, I'll, I'll make this short. I, I, I really believe that, the, that Dr. Cruz and his team are doing the right thing uh, in closing schools and that you, each and every one of you, the 134 that are on here, are saving lives every single day by practicing social distancing, washing your hands 20 seconds, cleaning surfaces and wearing facial coverings. Um, and I would just like to end um, by just uh, thanking the Hernandez family for uh, the service of one of our food service workers who was uh, the first person from AISD to pass away. And I think it's important to be reminded that this is a, a, a serious crisis and, um, and that the first and foremost, we had to take care of each other um, and then next, obviously, is making sure that we have the educational uh, ability to progress uh, towards next year. But I, I really uh, want to encourage each and every one of you to take care of each other, and, and we'll get through this. Thank you. Um, so next, I'm going to move to um, Ken. But before I do that, Dr. Cruz, um, when I move to you, I do want to ask you the question because I get, did get Mr. Breckenridge's question. So I want to circle back around to that and then get your closing statements. All right, Ken, is there anything you'd like for us to know? If you know me, there's always something you, I'd like you to know. So I'm sorry, but um, you know, I, this is, who would think 
that that a month ago, six weeks ago, that we'd be on this call, me in my car, isolated, just have some quiet from my house, everybody in their own locations, and talking like this. Uh, we could have never imagined any of this happened. Um, but I go back to a couple of, to a particularly an old adage that I heard when I first started teaching. I started teaching and student taught at Burnett Middle School in 97, got a job there in 98, and had the pleasure of working with Nina for uh, four or five years um, uh, in the same portable area as her. And, and one of the things that I remember when I first started teaching is I was told that um, they don't, the students will not remember what you taught them. They will remember how you treated them. Now, I want to think that my students remember a couple of things that I taught them. However, I want them to remember how I treated them. That's the most important thing. And I think that that's an approach that if we, if we focus, use that as our lens, that as our focus, we will be successful. We won't, we can't help but be successful if that's what we kind of live by. Because the teaching and learning will follow. What my goal as a union president as the partner of a teacher in this district, as a dad to kids in this district, and you know, as, as, as a teacher of 12 years, is I, when we're past this, I don't want people or teachers or employees, I want them to say, wow, look what AISD did for us, not what they did to us. And I think that what's really important here that I want to stress for people out there that are not inside the system, like I have the great privilege to be, is that we have seen transformation and evolution within the district as this has unfolded, that we are very pleased with. We have more room to go. We as an organization have more room to go. We have room to grow. But we want to keep in mind Let's not worry so much. We have to worry about what we teach them, but let's be more concerned with how we treat them and how they feel about that and what their experiences have been through this once in a lifetime, once in a century ordeal that is people are facing death and dying. How do we treat them? That's what will be remembered. And I think we need to remember as we move forward. I'm very appreciative for this space to be able to, to, to share a few thoughts and for the great work that Dr. Holly's doing, that, that Kai is a student, uh, I know the great work that she does, that Nina does as a, as a teacher and, and as a parent uh, and as a partner herself of an educator. Uh, you know, what John Bailey does at LBJ and taking over a challenging space at LBJ and really starting to turn things around. Uh, President Rodriguez for his leadership on the board to assure our community that we're, we're in a good place. And Dr. Cruz for listening for hearing those times that we can connect on the phone, for hearing when teachers were drowning and employees were, were risking their lives going out, you led the district to respond to that with the people that needed to respond. And we're thankful. We've got a ways to go, but we're thankful. We wanna maintain hope that we will be better as an organization, as a district and as a union and as a community that we will all be better as we come through this. So thank you for this opportunity. It was incredible. 
thank you, Amber, very much for, for running a, uh, and Sherwin for really running a wonderful uh, session. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, all right, Dr. Cruz, so I'm going to quickly ask you Mr. Breckenridge's question because I promised that. And the question is, is there any possibility that the district will be able to place the four schools that are set to permanently be closed on hold? If not, how will the students, parents, staff, excuse me, students, parents, and staff members' needs, social, emotional needs be met during this time, especially knowing that they're not able to have face-to-face -face closure that they need once that they once expected. Okay, well, first of all, I do wanna also say to thank to the Austin Justice Coalition for the invitation uh, to be part of this and be a, one of the panelists with the uh, amazing individuals that I see on my, on my screen as well. And I appreciate President Rodriguez, how you talked about uh, the Wilsons being right there in the middle and all of us supporting them, which is, uh, that's a pretty powerful visual. Uh, and that's important because that's what it is. That's why we do this work. Uh, and uh, just wonderful that uh, y'all are able to be part of this. And thank you again for the invitation because, um, you know, it's, it's needed. More communication, more discussion, more dialogue uh, to continue uh, to be uh, serving our students and families in the way that we need to and that we want to. Uh, as far as within the question, right now our focus has been first on social emotional learning. It's going to take into different ways. Uh, that's really been our focus on making sure that we've continued paying our people uh, so that uh, pay continues. That was one of the biggest concerns of folks. If the district closes, that means I'm not going to get paid. And that's 12,000 employees, 12,000 employees within our organization and kids thinking about what's going to happen next. And we really had to fo focus on that. The thing is, we haven't done everything we need to do yet. We're still, it seems like, well, we, we heard there was a news item that went out about this and we heard about that. It's still 81,000 students. Just because a news item went out or because some information was shared, it didn't cover everybody. I know that, y'all know that too. So that still has to be our focus. And it is of, of course, especially on our schools, four schools mentioned, uh, our teachers are still checking in with our students. Uh, our principals are checking in with our students that they're doing that because that's just who they are. And it really is about taking care of our kids, their social emotional needs, listening to them and uh, being responsive to that uh, over time. It didn't just start today. It's been going on over time. Um, and again, I just really want to, thanks for the opportunity to be part uh, as, a, as a panelist here. Uh, it's been a learning experience for me as well because uh, you, know, you got uh, two ears and one mouth and which one should you do more of, right? Listen, and I've always uh, believed that. And I just think it's important uh, that uh, we understand the, the work that's happened and being proud of it. But I think we're the first to say that we have more to do and we're, we haven't gotten it all right. But it's through listening, it's not giving up. That, that's just, that just can't happen. Can never give up. Always focus on our students and understanding how we can best support our students and our families. And again, thank you for having this forum and thank, I don't see Sherwin on the panel. Maybe he's still around here somewhere, but also want to thank uh, Sherwin, for, Sherwin for being part of this. And then I get to see Senora Wilson. Yeah, hace muchos años que estaba en su salón, ¿verdad? But she was like one of the first teachers when I was here, who was, when I was just in middle school, she invited me to her classroom. 
And I said, of course, I'm going to go. I mean, just middle school and everything else. And so I just really appreciate uh, I still remember that time in your classroom. And that's been, I don't know, over a decade ago or something like that. But it was just one of those really fun, uh, engaging moments to see you in action with the kids. Thank you, Dr. Cruz. Um, I do want to say that um, Mr. Patton was having some technological issues and did have to go, but I do want to thank him as well for being a co-moderator. He was amazing and super helpful. And I love the way that um, he um, flowed with me, which was really great, especially um, in these times when we can't be together and talk about these things beforehand in the same ways that we could before. Um, so I appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to do this and the time that all of you have taken to be on this panel with me um, and the thought um, that you put into your answers. I appreciate all of that. Um, Chaz, do you want to close this out? Yeah, um, Amber, I just want to, I want to thank you so much for um, allowing me to be me and doing this at the, at the last second. Um, definitely want to thank Miss Wilson, both of them, um, because like Amber said, here at AJC, we think it is um, all but important to um, how, uplift the voices of the most impacted, and that is our students and families in AIZ. And um, I want you both to know that um, if you need anything, that's what AJC is here for. And I, would, I think we should definitely do something with students only and parents only. Um, so Ms. Wilson, if you would like to, the student Ms. Wilson, um, if you would like to help us with that, we would be more than honored to use our platform for that. Dr. Cruz, um, Geronimo, thank you all for jumping on um, last second. Um, Dr. Holly, you know, you are just awesomeness exude, you like you exude awesomeness John um, is a proud member of Cap Alpha Psi. We went to college together and I, I, I knew him well before he was a well-respected principal, but I'm glad to see he's doing good work. Um, and Ken, you know, um, I really appreciate all the work you do on behalf of all my students, but especially our teachers who are um, frontline um, um, workers for sure. Um, and, and I wanted to address, because um, I think it's important, we try to have um, the, the translation thing work, but that didn't really pan out. So I wanted to give um, um, Superintendent Cruz and um, Geronimo Rodriguez a few seconds to address the Latino or Spanish speaking community. Um, if you wanted to, just so we can um, try to be as, as inclusive as we can. And, um, you know, as we go on through this, this Zoom era, which, which I'm sure the textbooks will call it someday, um, you know, we're still working out the kinks, but I think it's important to address our Spanish speaking community um, um, at this time if you want. Dr. Cruz, you want to go first? You want me to? You ahead, Gerardo. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll go right after. Yeah. Bueno, buenas noches a todos. Nuestra comunidad que habla español. Nosotros, como ustedes, están preocupados con lo que está pasando con COVID. Es muy importante proteger su familia y ustedes en este tiempo. En enfocar en, en, en sus casas, estar, uh, estar bien, ¿verdad? Y, este, y queremos que sepan que el Distrito Escolar de Austin está apoyando a usted y a sus estudiantes. Y si tienen una pregunta, un problema, que por favor nos hablen a nuestras escuelas, a la oficina del principal. Ahí va a estar la más importante información con la que pueden ayudar. Tenemos a, a intérpretes que le pueden ayudar a la familia y este y ojalá que todo uh, salga bien al últimamente y 
les deseo, deseamos lo, lo mejor en seguridad de su familia uh, de parte del distrito escolar. Doctor Cruz. Gracias, presidente Rodríguez. Y gracias a Chaz por, uh, por, por esta uh -huh. oportunidad y para Austin Justice Coalition, que estamos aquí platicando de algo muy importante, y es la seguridad de todos nuestros estudiantes y sus familias y todo el personal. Uh, es muy importante que en ese tiempo que tenemos que estar que juntos, ¿verdad? Tenemos que comunicar, uh, a, a, a hablar con nuestros hijos y hijas, a ver cómo están, uh, preguntándoles qué está pasando, qué, 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 qué necesitan. Eso sí es muy importante. También es muy importante que llamar a la director o la directora o director de la escuela o, y la maestra, la maestra también de, de, de sus hijos para platicar, a ver cómo, cómo están los estudiantes, qué está pasando. Y este es un, es, es un tiempo que sí todavía estamos en la escuela, ¿verdad? Porque tenemos las clases y eso todo sigue, pero es muy importante que, uh, que tenemos primeramente uh, el aprendizaje de emoción social y eso es muy importante porque eso es, uh, eso es uh, algo que es importante para, para todas las uh, familias y las maestras y maestros en, en los salones, eso es lo que están hablando de las de los relaciones con los estudiantes y que tenemos que trabajar juntos. Si necesitan algo, tenemos información en el sitio web o la página web de austinisd.org. Ahí te, les tenemos información para ustedes, tocante de dónde pueden tener la tecnología de los Chromebooks. También cómo tenemos uh, información para ustedes de, de las comidas que estamos dando en diferentes escuelas o con los voces de transportación. Pero si uh, todavía, todavía necesitan más información, le pueden llamar a la escuela. Tenemos personas que sí están tomando las uh, llamadas de, los, de las mamás y papás de las familias y uh, así las podemos ayudar si los necesitan y cuando los necesitan. Y muchas gracias por, uh, para, para todo el trabajo que hacen ustedes. Gracias. Thank you. All right, I want to thank everyone for joining us and y'all have a great night. Wait, I'd like to address the Hispanic community one second. Yes. This is Angelica Carrazo. Buenas tardes, mi gente. Queremos decirles de un webinar que tenemos el domingo que entra, el, el 26, el domingo que entra a las 3 hasta las 5 de la tarde, que vamos a compartir recursos de comida, recursos de tecnología para, eh, y también para este, educación especial y recursos de multilingües y recursos para los padres. Entonces, si ustedes persiguen la página de web de Habla en el Facebook, por favor, persigue esa página. También vamos a mandar mensajes para todos de la comunidad. Pero si ustedes hablan español nomás, tenemos este sitio de web. Va a ser nomás para los padres que hablan español y que están buscando más información para sus padres. Entonces, por favor, nuestra gente queremos si pueden estar en el sitio de web para el domingo que entra a las 3 y hasta las 5 p.m., este el 26 de este domingo. Muchas gracias. Okay, sorry about that, Angelica. All right. Y'all have a great night.